Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the PPC Chat Roundup. In today's episode, we have Julie taking inspiration from an article that Kirk Williams wrote and had published on Search Engine Land, and it's called It's Time to Defrenzy PPC. And he gave seven situations of why people have like a bit of a frenzied time or you know panic time or firefighting time in paid search companies i'd say it mostly happens in paid search agencies because you know trying to deal with client requests or with paid search freelancers trying to deal with frenzied client requests and when when the outcome is not matching expectations. So yeah, we talk about how to set boundaries, how to make sure that, you know, you're looking after yourself, you're separating work from home and, you know, the tips to help to do with that. So I do hope you find this very useful. All right, sit back and enjoy. Hello and a warm welcome to this episode of the PPC Chat Roundup, a podcast where I round up the Twitter discussion that happens on Tuesdays at 5pm GMT. I'm your host Anu and I'm recording from my studio here in London, UK. And I use this platform to share not just expert but also my ideas and considered best practices about paid media and the direction the digital industry is going in. So if you want to keep up to date with my tips and tricks in the industry and get the latest on the podcast that has been called Your Go to if you don't make it to the PPC chat live discussion, and even if you do, then like, follow, share, and retweet on that's right Twitter with my handle, the marketing anu, or join us on our LinkedIn group, which is the PPC chat roundup podcast. Or if you're on Instagram, why don't you check us out at ppcchat underscore roundup to get quotes and snippets from our previous episodes. So as I said earlier on, we are going to be talking about taking the frenzy out of PPC based on the article Kirk Williams wrote earlier on. And I'll start straight in with our PSA from Julie saying before we get into the questions, this chat is intended for PPC professionals of all levels. If you have something you want to share, please do. We are a friendly and supportive community please don't be afraid to participate lurkers are of course always welcome too so uh, yeah we, we also have like loads of people that join the chat fraser andrews diana as well and julia vice glenn schmeltley as well and steve gibson as well joins us i think Dwayne brown also gave some answers andrew mcgarry joins us as well Hector, who joined for the first time i believe last week and joins us again boris beckerick joins us as well and i've got to put a really funny anecdote because fraser andrews put in that he's this is me joining pbc chat today and it was a an image of what's her name mrs doubtfire you know where, where the where she's got cream on her face because what's his name robin williams is pretending to be his made up sister anyway so that was funny and i i was like does that mean yeah you're having a facial andrew <laughs> no he responded do i need one anu and yeah and i just hid with that one with where that was a funny one i'm sure that was no love lost there because fraser is awesome and yeah judy goes i'm well and tired they had an annual big gathering at their house with 80 plus people wow was that just family or friends as well that's a lot of people and that was the first time since taking um, two years off for COVID. Wow, interesting. That must have been quite draining. Even as an extrovert, I'd find that quite draining. 
Anyway, let us get into questions. So yeah, Julie goes, let's get to it. Kirk's post talked about how many agencies and pros operate at frenzy speed. So one, do you or your team find yourselves working nights, weekends, etc. regularly? If so, why? And if not, why not? Yeah, I, it's a prickly one for me because yeah, with my job, that is my nine to five thirty job with Marin. It's, you know, my day job. I, I stick to the normal hours, but yeah, I am not recording this between nine and five thirty. It's actually about 10 to 10 at night. So yeah, when I'm working on podcasts or when I'm t- working on PPC live, you know, promoting our event, especially as it's coming up in just over two weeks. Yeah. Lots to do that cannot be fit in during daylight hours. So yeah, lots to do. We have several answers of this one as well. Kirk Willens responds saying, I'm surprised and encouraged by the replies. I wonder if that's because the industry is actually changing. Ah, okay. So let's go to some of those replies that he's talking about. And Steve Gibson goes quite often, but that's because I choose one to divide my work, working week over six or seven days rather than five. Two, I often choose to go out during the day, in which case I'll finish work later. Three, I sometimes work with companies in America. I thought Steve Gibson was actually based in the, the US. Interesting, he's not. Kirk continues, definitely self-defined choice here is important as a rule. I think the principle is more do we actually have time of checking out of work for other stuff rather than does that this align with modern understanding of a traditional weekend? And some more encouraging answers. Derek Mullins responds saying, no, to be honest, never. Even working an account based on a television network, everything was planned out well in advance. Andrew McGarry goes, nine to five is an outdated concept and focus. Time, focus over time. So I prefer to work when focus is at peak. You can't say you're results driven and then ask everyone to pretend they're on an assembly line making cards for Ford. The tricky part is not overworking, which is easy to do. The job is to create value and solve problems. If you succeed, then clock off. The biggest mistake I've made in my career is operating as if running my phone on 1% battery was okay. It's not burnout is worse yeah and you just make it makes you feel very bad about it so glad to see that julia vice says burnout takes longer to recover from than we think yeah burnout is for reals definitely julia vice goes i feel like that's been my theme music lately i'm okay season of change still recovering it will get better fam if you find yourself singing my song you might need to step back <laughs> Fraser goes oh my god yes there's not set times on recovering from these things for some people burnout can be eased with a weekend off for others cough cough (laughs) cough me cough it can take years and loads of therapy just focus on you and know that you're just a human also here if anyone wants to chat oh bless you fraser and we have diana alina responding to question one saying of course there are times when i can't help but check the performance of some campaigns during weekends but because of pure curiosity and pleasure in seeing metrics going up hopefully yeah, but then if you see the metrics going down, what does that do for your mental health over the weekend? <laughs> I do not advise that. Anyway, and Diana continues, there are some days when I work overtime, but not during nights or weekends in order to have a healthy mind and operate well on the accounts. I prefer to establish a good work-life 
balance. Gil Gilner responds, do I work weekends? Yes, sometimes, but I truly enjoy it. So I don't count that as a loss. Our employees are not expected to, but since we have a totally flexible work schedule, sometimes they work weekends to catch up if they took a week. Luna underscore PPC, which is Luna. He responds saying, I do personally often work nights and weekends, but that's mostly because of extracurriculars I'm involved in. One thing I love about Gatorworks is a healthy work-life balance. Working late late is actively discouraged. Yes, love that from Luna. And then we have Julia Vice responding to question one saying, not anymore, but we did have this problem last year and in a big way the year before. Overall, what helped was communication. Boris responds, almost never. And if I do, there's usually a very good reason for it. Ex- example, an unexpected emergency or website relaunch. Had a couple of those this year already. Yikes. Fraser goes, were they the classic website relaunches with one day's notice? Please say no. Boris goes, wish I could. Big airline owed to be working with pros once. Honestly, don't do product lunches and give people only one day notice. Sylvia responds to question one saying no, not regularly. Although I check emails through the evenings and at weekends, so would jump on the laptop if something urgent popped up. For me, it's the importance of making sure that my workload is manageable. There's always ad hoc projects or issues though, but that shouldn't be the norm in my opinion. And then we have Julie herself responding to question one saying an emphatic no, I do not work nights, weekends, holidays, on vacation, etc. Only exception is a true emergency, which we will discuss later in the chat. Boundaries are so important, especially when you live and work in the same space. Oh, Lord, ain't that the truth? Ishan responds same, disconnecting during non-working hours works like a boost to me. Having time during the day when you're disconnected from work helps you recharge and come back the next day ready to give it your all and then we have sean ellie responding to question one saying we sometimes choose to take a day off midweek and finish up on a sunday but six day weeks almost never happen same with nights flexible but not at all necessary and then we have Fraser Andrews responding saying, fortunately not, very lucky to work somewhere where boundaries are encouraged. After having a dreadful experience in my first agency where bullying was the norm, I had to retrain my brain to how agencies should be. My mission is to never replicate that for any juniors. Bullying being the norm. Oh, name and shame, Fraser. Name and shame. That annoys me. Sophie Logan responds, never feeling like you can leave the office on time or have to work at weekends to prove your worth is the worst. Proving your worth is spot on. Whilst it's okay for people to get invested in work, it's equally as okay to do the norm, Fraser responds. Julia Vines responds, that's a very interest, important approach. Set expectations for clients, for your team. It doesn't have to be this way. It just often is Fraser goes yes it's totally fine to say I'll pick this up tomorrow and if they have any issues send them my way and I'll have stern words Julie responds kudos to you for recognizing that and not wanting to perpetuate with those junior to you your work habits definitely influence those below you on the org chart Fraser goes thank you taking a lot of wonderful people to help me but I think that I've been shown it's okay to just say I can't do this work can someone else take it on Boris goes so much yes no whatsapp or slack on the weekends or out of hours and then we have Dougar Thomas responding to question one saying the first six months to a year of any job, agency job I've had since my first was 10 to 14 hour days every day. Lord, 
even the weekend? No, I doubt it. I really hope not. That's less to do with the accounts and more to do with picking up the pieces of whoever you're replacing. Yeah, bad handover notes lead to this. Sometimes no handover notes. Kirk Williams goes, yeah, that's bonkers. Bonkers because it astonishes me that people put up with that, not because I disbelieve you. I'm just going to say it. You consistently put in 10 to 14 hour days for six to 12 months building somebody else's business. You better be getting equity. Yep. Fraser goes, my wonderful manager who isn't on Twitter, unfortunately said something that stuck with me. It's a team effort. So any handover or work that needs picking up whilst it may be allocated to you gets done by the team i'd be flagging with the team glenn smesley responds saying sad but i don't doubt the truth that you of what you said doug doug responds i mean sad to a degree but it's also a function of where i was in my career i was an ic in a new management role in a very small multifunctional teams some of those late days were doing analytics words work Others were fixing codes. Others were documenting procedures. And in response to Andrew McGarry, where he had gone, 95 is an outdated concept Concept and focus over time. So I prefer to work when focus is at peak and you can't say you're results driven and then are asked every, ask everyone to pretend they're on an assembly line making cars for Ford. Julie goes, I think as long as it is a healthy choice for you, then it is fine. But if the expectation is you are available Instantly, 24 7, 365, then that is when it becomes problematic. And then Dylan online, yeah, gives another worrying answer. <laughs> Goes, yep, work nights all the time, usually Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays, and some weekends reasons. If I don't, then I don't get to everything I need in two in a week. I also just like the work that I'm doing after hours and carry. Um, and care about trying to improve the accounts I work on. Also, just want to point out my after hours work is for stuff I enjoy doing and also doesn't revolve around communication or taking on emergencies. Strictly for ensuring I'm working on the stuff I like while no one bothers me. Yeah, I think the whole too many meetings during the day by effect that. So yeah, I'm sure that's something that's going to be discussed at later questions. And we have Etka responding saying earlier when I was working under agency, I felt it that way. I have to be present every time and panic going on most of the time. Now I take direct projects. So I see some decreases in pace, but I think it's cause you have to be present whenever something happens. Plus humans, especially Gen Z is constantly getting used to the notification alert. Sometimes I feel both are the reasons for working on steroid modes with remote work environment, especially in PPC. And we have Ashton Clark responding to question one as well. We're still on question one, 15 minutes in. Yeah, loads of answers given. And just by the way, a little pause here. Only four questions were asked what we are able to get through because yeah, so many answers, so many opinions on these kind of questions were given. Anyway, back to Ashton. He goes, in the first six months of the pandemic, my work from home balance, work from home life balance was terrible. I was always online trying to help clients any way possible during an unpredictable time, even if I wasn't fully billing my hours. It continues. It was totally unsuited, un unsustainable though. And I've gotten way better at ending my day at a set time. No weekends or late nights. My mental health is better for it. My work product is still the same quality and clients are still 
satisfied and I was like I feel this so hard because yeah at the beginning of the pandemic I'd just be like well I'll just put the tv on from around six o'clock but just keep working and yeah brain was not being turned off early enough definitely and we have Julia responding to Glenn when who was like yeah wow love had the precision baked into the contract and that's Julia Vice talking about for our public sector clients we contractually offer them coverage for emergencies this means defining emergencies and trading so no one is the key contact every single time and Julie goes yeah great practice I will add but put your regular working hours including time zone in your contracts makes it easier to define when a request falls outside of when you choose to work and yeah julia vice goes so important and we have kurt henninger responding saying hard no setting boundaries is extremely important and i'm honestly much more productive if i put up boundaries i think we all are really brett podofsky joins the chat saying have i worked at places where late nights and some weekends work was necessary to get every everything done yes but not currently my current employer has a commitment to mental health and is really good at maximizing the time people spend away from their desks and we have yeah julian now taking us on to question two going yeah do you find that your clients or stakeholders are regularly requesting emergency or urgent help on things if so what kind of things and how do you handle these requests Derek first goes yes was i the only one thinking kirk's article was obvious or all it said was plan ahead and you'll not need to work late. I get how on Twitter agency culture meshes with entrepreneurial stuff, but as a media buying employee, I have not been asked to or required to work late. Diana responds, happily, no, some emergencies that occur are usually related to reports on ongoing campaigns. Dave Gibson goes, no, I don't work with clients like that. Gil Gildner responds, as we've gone up market, we've found our client requests have migrated from hours to weeks. It's a nice place to be and indicative of how most PPC accounts require patience rather than urgencies. Julia Baisko responds to that. It's a good feeling. Love those three-month workbacks. Govind responds saying, client getting less calls, please improve bid or do something. Mostly, I recommend them to wait one to two hours and check if the call flow is okay. If not, then I do diagnose. Clients sometimes insist for changing bidding strategy to maximize CPC. In response, Fraser answers say sometimes, but if you're fortunate enough to work with client service teams, this is where I hand it over to them to manage what it uh, what is and isn't an emergency. Yeah, and I have worked with client um, services team that did not understand what emergency and not emergency was and just gave everything as an emergency, which is annoying. We have uh, Julie then giving a, a little note here, not quite answering any questions. She goes, we need to normalize not being always on call. Kirk's post talks about this too, but if there's too much work to get done in 40 hours, you need more people not to have your people working 50 plus hours regularly absolutely because there's too much work to be done doesn't mean each individual should be doing more work it means the company needs more staff and they're doing 
well because there's so much work to do so they can afford that much more stuff. Glenn responds saying that the larger the agency, the more I notice this foul being committed. Customers see them set this terrible precedent and expect every vendor operate that way. Julia Vice goes, there it is. And we have to be the party to start the conversation and make it a best practice. I feel if we look inefficient, it's worse for us than looking unresponsive. So Floyd responds, yeah, it's an odd dichotomy to set expectations that you're available a specific eight hours um, a day when the work orders don't align with the work hours. You get rid of the idea of nine to five or you expect the work waits for tomorrow. Does the company always eat the perceived loss? Is it a loss? And we have Sean Elliott responding to question two saying, no, I think I have learned the hard way that you have to be upfront about how you work and how you deal with these things. And people seem, seem to respect it. Last year, I may have had a different answer. And to Kirk Wernhood said, that's bonkers to Doug R. Thomas is saying the first six months to a year, he works 10 to 14 hour days. And then Kirk goes, that's bonkers because it astonishes me that people put up with that. I'm just going to say it. If you consistently put in 10 to 14 hours for six to 12 months building somebody else's business, you better get equity. Douglas goes 100% though in both cases, I was explicitly told to go home and that it could wait. A lot of it is that I'm a workaholic, except in some of the situations, it leave someone in the cold or leave a pile of work I'd never catch up on. But yeah, had that realization. Kirgo's gotcha. That's part of the um, underbelly of overwork though. And why some businesses appear to have a healthy culture initially passive aggressive manipulation to cause feelings of guilt or stress for not overworking is still an unhealthy culture. Long time ago, I worked retail overnight backstock while pursuing my masters. So I had other things going on and we'd get to the end of a shift and there was an unwritten expectation of, well, like you could go home or you could be a team player and stay later to finish a oh, team player aggressiveness. As someone who naturally feels guilty for that stuff, likes to see stuff finish, etc. I was a sucker for being guilted into staying past my allotted shift and the shift ended even though we were hourly. So I was done. Never mind. I had to catch two hours of sleep before class. I hated that. Yeah. I'm glad you got out of that cuck. And then we have Kurt Henninger responding to question two saying, asked all the time. Yes. Predefining what is urgent or an emergency is key. I respond to question two as well saying, thankfully, I haven't experienced that since joining my current company, Marine Software. There's a lot of respect for out of office hours. Julie then responds to question two as well saying, I also put in my contract what standard communication reply times are, including time zone. I have found when you gently tell a client that dropping everything to hop on a call will come with a premium upcharge for that time cuts down on that behavior a lot. Yeah. Put a charge on it. <laughs> People stop asking for it. Andrew McGarry goes, put in my contract 100% this. Work with whoever drafts them. And if you get landed with a legacy client from hell, talk to people about updating processes. Clients who have bonuses depending on PPC results can be extremely unreasonable unless contract boundaries are set. So um, Julia Weiss answers question two. I think she does mention contract stuff earlier on, but she also mentions here. So our situation most often comes down to launch dates. Creative isn't ready. Landing pages aren't live yet. Client changes direction, but live date is the live date. It's not feasible and can be solved. The proof, we solved it last year. 
Ah, doesn't mean the same thing should be done every year. Gil Gilner responds saying, as we've got gone up market, we found our clients' request have migrated from hours to weeks. It's a nice place to be and indicative of how most PPC accounts require patience rather than urgency. Julia Vice goes, it's a good feeling. Love those three-month work banks. Like, yeah, give enough time for some testing to show result. And Dylan online responds, nope, no regular emergencies, urgent help. There are occasions when I've hopped on a meeting or call after hours, but only if it suits me. If it does come up, I usually don't check my emails or phone for work stuff. So they'll only get a reply the next day or Monday. Ashton Clark responds saying, yeah, a lot of the one-off requests with fast turnaround times we get are for reports. Example, our point of contact is meeting with their CEO and need some data by end of day. Usually not a big deal, so we just handle it. But that kind of thing can definitely set my day back one to two hours. It just shouldn't happen often, really, I'd say. He continues, but overall, we set timeline expectations ahead of time so clients know that if they want a campaign build or launch, it has to be requested by a certain time. Julia Vice goes, we are fully in the same boat. Live dashboards definitely help. Rohan Aya responds, so definitely um, identify with this. Good problem to have, but those one to two hours are forever gone and sometimes work rolls over to the next day endlessly yeah ashton agrees with that julie responds building a couple of hours a week for this kind of thing that way you can accommodate small requests like pulling a report without having to have a cost or scope discussion yeah and rohan goes looking high and low for those couple of hours And we have Boris Beckerick responding, saying sometimes, but I've learned to bake this into my contracts. You want emergency assistance or slack availability? Fine, let's define emergencies. And that's an additional 2K. Thank you. That usually does the trick. Yeah, put a price tag on it. And that does the trick usually. Ah, Julie goes, wanting you on their slack. I am not an employee. I am not sitting and waiting for you to have a thought that you want me to see and respond to immediately. Regular communication is great, but I plan my time and you only get so much of it. Exactly. Boris goes beside their Slack, MS Teams, Monday, Asana, blah, blah, blah. Basecamp is another one as well. You can do that. Yeah, this it's endless. It can seem. Ekta responds, happens sometimes like when there's some new product launch campaigns or something unpredictable happens. However, I charge hourly, hourly for the calls and discussions. So I kind of balance. What are your thoughts on a hundred hour work week? I read that some people do it. Lord, a hundred hour work week feels harmful julia vice goes i agree it's either self-harm or sadism but either way it's unnecessary spend 50 hours automating the other 50 and you'll be more efficient than you were for the next few years fraser goes this no account could should require 100 hour weeks if you're finding yourself ever hitting this then it's time to take a step back and reassess definite no to that, Kirk Henninger responds. And to Fraser's answer, Hector goes, not necessarily one account. I spoke with people who take multiple accounts as solo consultants. They mentioned it frequently that they're doing 18-hour days. Wow, that's too much. And Amalia Fowler responds to question two, saying, not anymore because I both set boundaries and my agency partner understands the definition of an emergency. In agency days, those I got interrupted all the time for emergencies that weren't emergencies including on christmas lord no i'd turn everything off on christmas 
And we have Dwayne Brown responded to question two saying, often we got requests to upload ads for the weekend on Friday, 4 p.m. Not only client either, multiple clients regularly. Last year, I sent each client an email, new 3 p.m. deadline the day before they want ads live. After 3 p.m., we can't guarantee it goes live. And then Dwayne goes, continues after Facebook went down last year and I worked until until 8 p.m. to get ads live. I said, I can't live like this. Each client was fine about the new deadline. No one pushed back. They said it was fair to want a healthy lifestyle, all to be successful and QA ad time. Yes, people are kind when you do put boundaries in place, surprisingly enough. Fraser also gives an answer to question two, saying, I also feel like it's so important to remember that we're literally all humans here. Nothing is an emergency unless you're literally dying. It's not fair to ever put someone under this pressure. Dougar Thomas goes, yeah, the way I structure things, it's really an emergency situation. Though scope creep is real, but it was at the agencies that didn't have good processes that things would come up with zero day turnarounds. And Amali responds to question two as well, gives another answer to question two. If you're in charge, you have to understand your team isn't going to tell you they're too busy or can't get things done. They're not going to hold boundaries all the time because you're in a position of power. No matter how often you tell them, just let me know. Yes, they won't. And Julia Weiss responds saying, this was a really tough one for me. I happily work extra to help the team. And in the process, I was setting an example for others. It was very humbling to realize turning off wasn't abandoning anybody, but was teaching them. Absolutely. (laughs) Sam responds, this is one where I disagree. And I think we as a community need to be better about training junior people. I'm not saying that this 100% falls on the subordinate team member. It doesn't, but it also does not 100% on the manager. Trust goes both ways. As a manager, my job is to create an environment where anyone can and should feel able to communicate their challenges plus limitations, either in public, stand-ups or private email, Slack, call meetings in the office. It's also my responsibility to keep a pulse on the workload. Yeah, and I think as long as you're doing that, that works well. He continues saying, but if something is spiking or if someone isn't 100% on a given day, any task or client report will be a lagging indicator. This is where it's on the team member to share the challenge so we can figure out a solution together, reprioritize, bring in more people, etc. As a junior team member, it is 100% okay to be overwhelmed. It is 100% okay to share that. And there are multiple ways to do so in order for you to be comfortable and there is never judgment for doing so but do not be a passenger in your own life or career. That should be on a t-shirt. Do not be a passenger in your own life or career. Amanda goes, um, Amalia even goes, I agree with what you're saying. As long as when the person does come to their manager, they are heard and listened to, otherwise it all shuts down. Kurt goes, yeah, the complexity of power dynamics and how different people, even based on personality and culture approach, it is incredibly tricky and very real. And Sam goes, I'm not saying it isn't, but if you refuse to communicate via any channel provided to you, it is unrealistic to expect anyone to recognize you are struggling proactively. Obviously, it will show up later, but then it's too late. Amalek goes, oh, it's obviously their responsibility to engage. I just meant they may not feel comfortable disclosing. Um, Honestly, Sam goes, that's not okay from the team member because it hurts everyone else. This all assumes that there are appropriate communication channels available to them and that management is responsive plus empathetic to their requests. 
I'm with Sam on this one. Melissa goes, managers aren't mind readers, especially in this remote world. Team members need to speak up, especially if managers are asking directly in one-to-one meetings. Yeah, I think that's fair. And in response to Amalia, where she had gone, if you're in charge, you have to understand your team isn't going to tell you they're a bit too busy or can't get things done. Oh my God, this it is your job to know how much your people can handle and not to overload them. Of course, there are true emergencies, but your regular working practice should not be overworking your people. Learn about their productivity and efficiencies and plan accordingly. So now that we've gotten all those answers from question two, which was so helpful, we go to question three. Julie goes, do you have any language that you use in your contracts or communications when a client or stakeholder views something as an emergency or urgent when it really is not? Do you specifically define what you consider to be an emergency situation? Andrew goes, looking at our TNCs, 32 defined terms to cover the main areas. Here's an example of things listed in it. Emergency situations tend to be about something being off-brand or impending revenue rowers target miss or free audit rival pitch. Gil Gilner responds, not really. I feel like we avoid this early on by being selective about our prospects. Good clients don't have fake emergencies. Love it. Filtering out early saves everybody. Filtering out early on saves everybody. Absolutely agree. Julie responds to question three saying, yes, we define what constitutes as an emergency. And I will repeat here that if a client is in constant emergency mode, A, might not be a great client to keep and B, try that. Try that. This will cost extra extra method and see if that cuts that nonsense out. We have Boris responded to question three saying, I have TNCs that state turnaround times for different tasks, response times, etc. And that anything that has not explicitly been contractually agreed on will be billed separately. And we have Amit Kaba responding, no, I actually never thought of that before. Really, Amit, you need to add that in your contracts. Julie Vice goes, yes, we do. And we try to keep communication open when we're doing public safety campaigns or responding to sudden news. We know timelines can be tight. Keeping things realistic rather than overpromising is an important factor. Julie gives another answer to question three, saying don't create unnecessary emergencies either. Again, Kirk's post talked about timing of taking new initiatives live don't do it on a friday afternoon put language in your contracts about timings of taking things live and what you require or like Dwayne did send out an email to the client saying that we're updating how we communicate especially on fridays Ecta response to question three saying not yet but i'll mention this point from now on defining the urgent situation and the priority of the urgency makes more sense amalia responds as well saying absolutely i establish from the beginning that i do not work or answer emails on stat holidays or weekends i teach all my clients to pause their ads if needed and they know i work another job i'm upfront about that Dwayne Brown responds not directly though we talk about working together for mutual success and keeping communication open as much as possible I often say in potential client meetings we're not saving lives few things in this businesses are an emergency since we're not doing that Julie responds one of my first bosses in marketing said no one is going to die if we don't get this out the door today and that stuck with me yeah Malik is one of the very first informational coffee chats I was able to have starting my career said that the best advice she could give me was marketing is never life or death and I passed that advice 
onto my students now. And we have Ashton responding to question three saying, I don't know if it's specifically defined on our contracts, but in our proposal and or kickoff calls, we usually get a question like, how soon can campaigns launch? What's the typical turnaround time? And I make sure to set boundaries and expectations from there. Yes, if they ask, but if they don't ask, hmm, who knows? Julia Vice goes, oh, I love me a work back schedule. Keep a Gantt chart or simple Excel with days to launch from brief. So helpful. Ashton goes, definitely had to learn that one the hard way. Client asking for major ad copy and creative changes the night before launch. But since then, we make sure to clearly define the deadlines and it's been great. And another great point Amalia gives here saying it's also not enough to simply have in your contract salespeople or you, if you're freelancing, have to walk through it with them, verbally state it, draw their attention to it in the email, cover your bar. But Amalia, then they won't work with me. Good. Saying no to clients who are adamant about not respecting your boundaries from day one is good business for you and for them. You'll both find someone else. Sean Ellie responds, I do not, but have pretty clear timelines and scope of work outlined need to look at adding these for the next one. And I do love this answer from Amalia about when Duane had said not directly in answer to question three, though we talk about working together for mutual success and keeping communication open as much as possible. And so, yeah, this is also talking about boundaries. Dougar Thomas goes, woof, it is critical to most people's morale that you ship when you say you will. Missing a launch date, even one you all said was unreasonable from the start, demolished me in agency. Mamale goes totally, but I think you can have both. It's about project estimates plus balancing that things are in an emergency. I plan 30 days to do my audits. I need like three total among the other things I'm doing, maybe so that way I can deliver early and then yeah jelly vice goes time is linear and we won't don't control the laws of physics there is no missing a launch date you point out can't be met it's hard but this must be a firm conversation yeah Mali goes absolutely but right up front i understand you want to launch an x date but for us that is not possible or unless you get the creative to me in the next hour this is impossible their lack of planning isn't your emergency absolutely that practice julia vice goes plus the what campaigns of yours will we put aside to do this are very important communication tools amali then responds which is the one i loved saying i also advocate for that with bosses if your boss or manager at the agency is constantly asking you to do more the best response is great i can do that I can get that done for 4 p.m. Which of these other four tasks should I delay? That is a practice I always had with clients when I worked at agencies. I was like, you want this to be an emergency? Please be aware that there's several other tasks that you've asked me to do that will get put on the back burner. Julia Weiss responds, exactly. I integrate them into the conversation and show how the decision affects other projects, especially the projects pertaining to them. And then coming on to the last question of the chat, Julie asks, do you have any processes in place that either add to a frenzied atmosphere or reduce a frenzied atmosphere? Is this something you're going to be thinking about after this chat? I think that's something we'll all be thinking about after this chat and just double checking we have good processes in place. Gil Gilner responds, we make sure our team has a good life six weeks paid vacation 
all expenses paid retreat every year, total flexibility, flexibility for work, all remote. So it helps balance out the occasional crunch time. Um, Glenn responds, the balance out part of PPC Kirk's article resonated most with me. Build margin into anticipated busy time for the un expected absolutely build that margin and be prepared for it yep money enables freedom later on julie goes and different people want different things from their working lives so being aware of that is really the key also giving yourself and other others permission for their work wants to change it when other aspects of their lives change is also something to remember and Steve Gibson goes, reading the article that led to this topic, it reminded me of the principle that if you live in a world of drama, it's almost always either because you chose that drama or invited it into your life. The drama can come from choosing the wrong clients or it can come from taking on too many clients or from being someone who repeatedly misses deadlines or working for a bad agency. All these things are choices. Oh yeah, deciding to work for the wrong company. Choose better. And what I'd like to call to be a special PSA from Amalia here saying, listen, PPC chat, your work is never going to love you back. When you leave, things will keep moving, look completely different. I hustled my ass off for the team to disappear and vowed I'd never do that again. You don't owe your job anything beyond that 40 hours. Further to that, your value as a human being is not derived by the work that you do. So hustle if you want to and make yourself proud. Don't do it because the culture demands it. I also understand that sometimes we have no choice but to stay and and it's privilege to be able to leave. Yeah, always had that privilege, thankfully. Julie goes, and it's not quite quitting to be this way. Lord, I've heard about the quiet quitting, but I'm not going to go into that. Whomever, whomever started the idea that we should give everything to our jobs did us all a major disservice. You absolutely have the right to want to have something left in the tank after your work. It's not quitting, it's living. Lawrence goes, yeah, I hate that term quiet quitting when it just means actually doing the work you get paid for. I say only hustle if it makes you happy and brings you joy, not because the company asks you for it, unless they want to give you a nice bonus. Then there is that. Fraser goes, this ignore hustle culture. You aren't impressing anyone in the words of my ever eloquent Kiwi grandmother. We're all shit shit. We're all just humans that all do the same things. Focus on what makes you happy. Diana goes, this must be used as a wallpaper or on a t-shirt. Loves of this. Atalanta goes, I learned this in a very hard way at a young age. I feel now I make more rational decisions when it comes to work. Always, always have your rational mind on. Thanks for that nice PSA, Amalia. We all appreciated it. Kurt goes as well. Commentary about emergency work. One's concept of what is really an emergency largely depends on your context and background. There are few actual marketing emergencies except self-fabricated ones. Ooh. And Kirk as well goes, one thing I didn't bring out well in the article is the need for transition and transitions can be messy. I'm not advocating everyone just turn around tomorrow and tell every client with a false emergencies to stuff it. This stuff takes time. Stick to the long game and be gracious where you can be gracious. Take the chance to begin reminding and shifting and talking through this stuff with your clients. They're people too. They don't want to frenzy. They don't want frenzy either. Use that agreement to pursue healthy change together, not adversary, adversarially. 
even. And then, yeah, Lawrence responds, if you have been doing it, you are right. You cannot just shut off. You have already set expectations. So you need to slow it down. Like if you are driving a big rig, you cannot just go into first gear from top gear. Julia Vice goes, this was a big part of our talk to solve the problem last year. It was a frank discussion about why we couldn't keep working this way and what we and the client would need to change. It was a welcome discussion, but took time. Julie then puts a very loving note here saying there's also a lot of hustle and grind content out there in our industry. Let me PPC mom you all for a minute. Don't let that ever make you feel like you're less because that isn't what you want from your work life. Hector responds, I'm curious, how do you define work and life separation in your life when everything is online almost and work from home? How do you overcome if you ever get self-doubt or imposter syndrome due to amount of work you're doing when it's directly proportional to what to what you earn? Oh, Lord, haven't we been there? I think we've had a whole discussion about that imposter syndrome. Amalia comes in saying, oh, Hector, I feel like I asked this question myself not too long ago. My biggest tip is have a beginning of the day and end of the day routine, like a commute, take a walk, something that signifies the shift and imposter syndrome is an old friend. Feel free to DM. Yeah, Hector goes, yep, I go to the gym and have a proper routine set up. Also, thanks for the advice. I learned so much from these discussions. Oh yeah, lovely to have this kind of conversation. Fraser goes, generally something I would recommend everyone is if you can afford it is to get a therapist shop around for one you're comfortable with after a while I can guarantee you'll feel 10 times better actor goes to be honest I see it as a lifelong stuff I got in marketing after I dropped from my schools it's been like five years I'm always thinking what's next in short and long-term goal setting and what's next and from where talking with people working in in, in the industry is more insightful oh my lover julie goes dm me been doing it for 23 years <laughs> love like the networking is happening on this chat <laughs> i'm not sure that was quite appropriate for a part of this conversation but it's just a good thing to know that we have that here and if you're listening and you're feeling alone in this freelancing there are people that you can dm you can dm myself dm julia vice G- dm amalia dm neptune moon who's julie leading this chat We'll all be happy to hear from you and give you some advice. It's all about it's the way the networking goes and helps everyone involved. I've loved it and it's what's led to my success so far. Then Julie herself responds to question four saying, I plan for random acts of Google or Facebook or whatever to happen every year. Might not know this, know which month it will hit, but it inevitably does give yourself buffer to deal with it and add to the scope. If it is a major deal to get things in line with changes, <laughs> random acts of Google. Miley responds, I was, I've laughed at that one as well. Boris Beckwick as well responds saying, I try to maintain a healthy balance, never work more than what I agreed with my wife and do one or two passion projects on the side. If things get frenzied with clients, you need to have a talk, but that usually is very productive. Clients are people too. They don't like frenzied ways of working. So yeah, Julie goes, that chat flew by. We had so much to give in terms of advice, experiences, you know, and boundaries we need to 
said, don't be a passenger of your life or career. Even though there have been many great tips, that's definitely my favorite. That's the one that has stuck with me since the beginning of the chat. Thank you, Sam or Digital Sam I Am for giving us that one. So if you enjoyed that chat, I feel this was one of those Julie could not get through all her questions. So there'll be probably a lot more to discuss on Thursday on Twitter spaces at either 12 p.m. Eastern time or 5 p.m. UK BST time. So yeah, if you want to join us for some more discussions about the, you know, getting out of frenzied situations in your paid search world, join us on there. I hope you've taken, you've found this chat useful and taken some great takeaways. If you want to chat about this topic some more, as I said, join us on Twitter spaces for any feedback about the podcast or maybe even some correction on anything that has been shared. Do get in touch with me on Twitter. My DMs are open as well on the Marketing Anu or on LinkedIn. We have a PPC chat roundup group. So yes, please just request to join that and we'd love to have you. It would also be great to all the longstanding and brand new listeners of, you know, listening for more than 30 seconds to give a rating or a review. Please just go to linktree.com forward slash PPC chat underscore roundup. That's L-I-N-K-T-R-E-E dot com forward slash PPC chat underscore roundup. Another plug as well for my event, PPC Live UK, for those in the UK to join us, to join myself as well as Crystal Carter of Wix, Chris Ridley of Evoluted, Veronica Ruiz Mortillo, who's self-employed, and Rand Fishkin of SparkToro, ex-founder of Moz, and doing amazing things in the world of audience research, who will be joining for a virtual Q&A session for your tickets for this amazing event on the 22nd floor of the Shard. Please go to bit.ly forward slash PPC Live UK SEPT 22. So yeah, please go get your tickets quickly because at some point we're going to need to cut off sales because we'll need to give all the names to reception. So yeah, you want to get your tickets ASAP. Finally, remember for your campaigns and gizmos, for your campaigns and businesses to glide smoothly, there's a lot of hard work needed beneath the surface. So keep your swans kicking. Bye and speak to you next week. Bye.